but this year's level playing field week's faction, the charity has decided to hand over an episode of its podcast to two supporters with the potential of a third one joining us later. I'm Amy, I am part of Everton's Disabled Supporters Association. I am mainly responsible for our communications. I am a wheelchair user who has been going to matches of Goodison since 1993. I've had my season ticket since 1995 and it's very, very rare that I miss any games unless I have other commitments that I just can't get out of. Now I'm going to hand over to our other fan in this podcast, Jo, and she will introduce herself. Hi everyone, I'm Jo McNichol and I'm the DSA Chair for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Um, I'm a Spurs season ticket holder and also a wheelchair user. And again, a bit like Amy, I don't really miss a game. It's got to be a major something going on for me to miss one. So that's me. Thank you, Joe. The level playing for your weeks of action has begun and will continue this year until March the 13th. What happens during these two weeks can have a positive, long-lasting effect on the match day experience for disabled supporters. This year's level playing field week of action campaign is about celebrating fans returning back to stadia after the suspension during lockdown. How did it feel for you, Joe, when you went back to stadiums? It was amazing. I felt like at first when I went back, I thought, I'd always been there. It's amazing how you just go back into your old routines. Um, but obviously there was people missing now um, and people wearing face masks, being a bit more careful. But I couldn't believe the feelings you got going back again. It was like I'd never been away. Yeah, similar for me, to be honest. Um, I was lucky enough that during the first phase of lockdown, uh, Liverpool City, were in ticket two so we could go back earlier than a lot of other fans across the country could and so I went to a game that only had 2,000 supporters there in December of 2020 which was a bizarre experience to be at a Premier League game with so few people there but I say once you got back in there it was amazing to just be back in the stadium and even though I was sitting in a different seat Due to the restrictions that were in place, it just felt like I was back where I'm supposed to be and not being able to have that level of emotion while watching games on TV. I am not the the best person to watch uh, any match on TV, but certainly any Everton game, I just it's not for me. I don't enjoy any of it. It's just I can't deal with it. But to go back to the stadium and to be there, even with so few people there it was yeah it was emotional not to be ashamed of to say that I cried and I know a lot of other people there were just so happy to be back that they cried and even though it was so different in terms of having to keep more of a social distance having to wear masks and things like that it just seemed to after a few minutes you didn't really notice and you were just back doing what we do going to the match and supporting our team and being back at the Southampton game, which was our first game back with full crowds at the start of this season, again, was emotional. When uh, the sirens and Zed cars went off, the place just went up. It was just, uh, it was emotional and it was also tinged with sadness. There was some people, disabled fans, who didn't feel ready to come back and some, some of them haven't by where I sit and they don't feel that they can come back at the moment because they're too high risk or too clinically vulnerable. But those that did come back or just said how much they missed it, how much going to the match means to them and not having that choice of whether to go to games or not was something that they couldn't really cope very well with and being back just meant everything to them. 
it was good to see all my friends again and chat about football, what you don't get on the TV. And obviously we tried a few Zoom calls to watch along, but it still wasn't the same. So it was just being back in society. It was the one thing that we could do because a lot of people had avoided going to shops, going anywhere. It was just so much to catch up on and just the basic things in life of going to a football match. Yeah, totally relatable for me as well. The part of going to the match is being able to sit with people who do become your friends and not being able to to have that when you're watching on the telly, either watching on your own or just watching with whoever's in your house. It's not the same. And I think that was the feedback from many Everton disabled supporters. It was having that interaction and social communication while watching games. That was what they were missing the most. I think genuinely that's why a lot were so emotional when we did get back to the full capacity or even the games that were at reduced capacity. It was just the fact that you've seen people and were able to discuss referees and VAR decisions and things like that that you, you maybe we took for granted prior to this. Yeah, um, you take out your frustration as well, can't you? Because you can just yeah. shout at an empty space, which you can't really do at home. The TV doesn't reply to you. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it definitely doesn't. Better late than never. Our third disabled fan has managed to join in uh, the recording of the podcast now. So I'm just going to uh, hand you over to Anthony Joy and he'll give you a little introduction to himself. Good evening, everyone. So uh, as Amy said, uh, I'm Ant Joy. I'm an Arsenal fan. I've been for, for 30 years, uh, wheelchair user. Previously the uh, chair of ADSA here at Arsenal and recently come back onto the committee to to sort of reinvigorate some of the, the social media presence and content for, for ADSA with already some uh, early inroads in, into that. Just pick it up from what both Amy and uh, Joe said around being back at football, whether it be from the Euros in the summer or, or you know, back in the league and, and cup games this season. You, you really now appreciate when it was gone. You know, the fact we couldn't, you know, you, you took, we took a little bit, or certainly I took it for, for granted that it was always going to be there. And actually it was, it was not so much about the football and actually, you know, whether our respective teams are, are doing well or, or not on the field. It's actually the support structure that you have or the, or the social network that comes with going to games. Most of the, let's be really honest, most of the time we could take or leave some of the actual 90 minutes because actually the teams, the teams are rubbish unless there's probably a select two. But actually seeing your mates and, and, you know, letting some of that frustration or, or just actually seeing people. And I think the distance that we all had for, what, 18 months was personally was really hard. And I'm sure I'm probably speaking all three of us on that point. Totally. We have all become friends through the love of going to watch our teams and watch other sports together as well, which we've done. Uh, but for some disabled people, that is still an issue. How can campaigns like the Level Playville Week of Action go about highlighting this issue and helping fans to maybe make that step back to go to go into games? I think for me, I think if you look at something for you and you and me, Amy, and then so you I know you Joe you know Joe separately and then I was introduced to Joe and then vice versa round and round it goes but it, it, it comes back to Twitter doesn't it yes for, 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 for certainly me and you I, and Joe you're nodding as well um, I think there is a, there is something around connection and making networks between clubs between fans and you know it, it, we talk about you know providing good information at clubs but actually 
you know, if you ah, they say, I know Amy at Everton and I know Joe or I know Anne at Arsenal and vice versa. It's that trust in person and then you become friends. And I think that that social network part used the phrase, I think is, is, is key. And I think the weeks of action can effectively champion that for, for, for fans and, and reveal that, that, you know, that, that sort of, connection across the country and, and potentially Europe. Totally agree with Ant there. And it also can show real life stories to show how people do go to games and what they go through. Some people drive, need parking at the club, which clubs can arrange. Some people don't want to park close by because they want to get away quickly. Again, other fans can tell them that this is a great place to park. And if you build your network up as an individual fan, you can ask that question like I've asked Ant before, if I want to go to Arsenal, what's the accessible tube stop? First-hand knowledge can tell me straight away, I know what I'm doing. And I think that's what will help others just have that support around them to know that they can do it. A lot of us get the trains to places to just know which the nearest stop is. Is it hard to get from the train station to the ground? Even like, obviously, for you two with manual chairs, you need to know about the surface and is there a lot of potholes? Can you manage it on your own or do you need extra help? And it's just getting that extra confidence to know that, yeah, it's fine, you can do it, and there's people there that will put that into your head so you're not going into the unknown. Yeah, I agree there, Joe. I think having campaigns like the Week of Action and having DSAs at clubs gives maybe more of a personal experience to disabled fans and someone that they can maybe relate to. They'll see you going to your Tottenham games, they'll see Ant going to Arsenal games and they'll maybe think, oh, Joe is in a power wheelchair. I'm like, hey, I might ask her what the nearest bus stop is or Ant's in his manual chair. He'll know with the parking would be like near a stadium and is it difficult to push around there or am I best driving? Should I try to get the train there? I think it just makes the shared experience more relatable if you can see disabled fans going to sport and events and say we've become friends initially through Twitter, but now I think we are quite close. Uh, we've gone to other events together. Joe and I have been to cricket together. And, you know, I've been to cricket together. I know used to have been to cricket together. We've gone to international games together. Hopefully we can sort something out again in the summer to go to somewhere else. Having campaigns and focusing on the match day experiences of disabled fans can bring, it can bring a knowledge base that is more relatable to other disabled fans rather than asking a person who may not genuinely know that level of detail that is needed to go to a match. I would feel better asking Anthony or Joe about things at their club or other clubs that they visited than maybe somebody who works at those clubs because I would trust Joe and Anthony and other disabled people to give that level of detail that isn't needed. That's not against anyone working within a club that they just don't have that precise detail that uh, is so important for many people um, to go back to games, particularly now I think maybe so many people have not gone out in such a long time and gone back to crowded environments that their confidence is probably a little shaken. I know the first time I did go to a game, I was just coming back from having leg surgery as well, so that made me even more anxious to be back in a crowded environment, very, very aware of people being around me, knocking into my leg because I was still in plaster at that point in time as well, and it was still quite sore to, to touch. So I think if you, the longer people have gone without being 
out and about there is a confidence issue there so if they can see through the weeks of action that disabled fans are going back that there is disabled fans willing to share information and to help people going back it can only benefit the person themselves but can lead to other things as it has done with us three that we are now friends and look to do things outside of our respective clubs as well including neutral European away games. Just building on your um, on both your points there what about if like we don't have a respective knowledge about a ground you're going to and but actually we do know someone who can answer that question so it's almost a bit of like you know it's not what you know it's not who you know sort of type thing and I think a lot of where I think respectively the three of us have pulled that knowledge and you know through through our respective friendship is actually right I don't know the answer to that but Joe I know you do or vice versa it might be and actually I think we're quite fortunate in terms of the three of us we've got that wider network that we could call upon via ourselves but actually not everyone is that perhaps that fortunate about it no and I feel that level playing fields can get that out there with and weeks of action to show that there is clubs with people with knowledge and connect people up and give them like obviously during lockdowns they were doing zoom so other people have connected I've now connected with Swansea DSA so it's a lot of it goes down to the confident fans to do that but then we can take it back to our DSAs which is a start for them to show them what what can be done and shout out to all other members if they want to chat to other people then their first point of call would be their own DSA. Yeah I think that's a really valid point Joe I think it's a case of showcasing what other DSAs do via level playing fields we have action or just level playing fields articles throughout the year as well and then you know if that is a DSA reading that Zoom call or event, wherever it is, get the get someone from within that DSA to be the point of contact who can then open themselves up to anyone. So if it was something that Swansea's DSA are doing that we think is a good idea, as evidence DSA, we'd know to be able to go onto the Level Playing Fields article. There's a, a contact detail there for Swansea and we can then go to them and find out how they went about it, what was the success of it, would they encourage other DSAs to do similar types of things and then that just builds up the communication level between other DSAs other groups of disabled supporters and just reinforces the message that there is support out there for disabled fans that will hopefully help them to feel confident to start to go back to games and to those who have gone back to games that they're willing to try to help others to come back to games as well we know how much we missed going to games so I think from particularly for me but I know it'd be the same for you too as well you don't want other people to feel like how we felt and felt you know missing the game so much and being isolated so we us ourselves are willing to help any disabled supporters as as much as we can do to get them back to games and I'm sure that's a message that can come across from the weeks of action that there is disabled fans at all clubs that will help and support others to get back to games. Did you both find feel nervous of going back, whether in whether it be back in the Euros or or you know come August when the Premier League started? Did, were you nervous personally going back into increased full, full capacity crowds, etc.? So why? I wasn't nervous, but I did at the beginning change what I used to do. So I didn't take the train. I was more I was more conscious about I didn't want to get a train full of people, then a tube in London. So I did drive. So it, I did have to build my confidence back up. I was never concerned about actually being in the stadium. It, my concern was getting there. 
Um, but now that's completely gone now. I'm quite, I've gone back to my old routine and happy, but I did have to build on it. Don't know. What about you, Amy? Uh, I can mention when we went back to the games with reduced capacity, I was nervous more because of coming off the back of the leg surgery and being back out because I'd been literally bed bound for nearly three months. So that was a, a different approach I think that I needed to take to it and knowing that there was only 2000 at the initial games it was a bit more bearable when I went back to the full capacity games the Euros I was a lot more nervous at the Euros the game that we um, all messed up outside of but I found that difficult to be back in, into a, a crisis environment and just being you know, having to negotiate your way through crowds and people just not being aware that you were there and things, that took me a while to get back into to that. I think I'm overcoming that a lot more now. I'm still nervous. I've still had some small panic attacks at games because I'm not great in the crowds and I have had some moments where I've just had to, like, go totally away from where I was heading just so I can calm down and then come at it again type of thing. But I I'm getting, like yourself, Joe, back to more of my usual pre-match post-match routines now but it is it it is totally understandable why people are nervous to go back after such a long time and being probably for quite a lot of that time literally just being in the house or seeing very few people as you said you mentioned it before Joe, not even really going to shops or anywhere like that and I think I, I think it it did surprisingly actually affect me more than I thought it would. I mean, I know Level Playing Field did podcasts, I think I was on one of them, to be honest, about, you know, when the, the summer of, of 20 was happening and, and um, you know, the, the return to stadium, the Euros, etc., which was really well received and, and some good coverage. Do you think that some fans would need to have a similar sort of question posed to them about, you know, has it been changed, improved, been you know is the nervousness still continues you know is that something we need to revisit say maybe at the end of the season I don't think it could do any harm to ask even continually through the season particularly clubs but also the likes of the playing field as well to to find out how fans who have come back how they're feeling now compared to the start of the season has things become easy for them has anything gone worse in, since we've come back in terms of access to the stadium, sight lines, et cetera, et cetera, like that. And also maybe to those who haven't gone back or only are going to one or two games because they're still feeling quite nervous to find out what it is that may help them to overcome that nervousness and can the club help them to attend games in a bit more of a safer environment that'll make them feel a bit more relaxed so I think the more communication around this topic is never going to be a bad thing for both level playing fields as part of their works but also each each of our clubs even something that DSAEs could look to to do to, to feed that back to the club. How have both of you found traveling to away games since we've returned back and are the experiences as they were, would you say, pre-pandemic in terms of facilities and just, you know, being part of an away day crowd? I know I've found things not to be quite like they used to be. I think for me, I've noticed the crowd is is, is younger. I don't know if that's through design or, or what, I don't know, but I've found certainly the away following at Arsenal has, has decreased in terms of the age. They're, they're a lot younger, which 
might mean there's some more accessibility for tickets in the general population. With that, maybe some of the behaviours is different than what I'm used to, you know, a little bit more excitable. Um, I'll put it as delicately as that. And that doesn't affect me or perhaps other disabled supporters, but it's just an observation. Trains are as they were. If you get on the train, you know, Built, you know what Joe said at the, at the at, you know initially at the start of the season that we might be a bit nervous. So I feel you know it's been a fifty fifty split between driving and getting trains everywhere this season. But some of the the wider behaviours, and I'm not criticising. It's not you know it's not criminal offences. It's just a little bit more boisterous. Let's call it that. I've, I've noticed that more this season so far. I probably agree with what Ant said. I've noticed that as well. Um, but I've also noticed with the Tottenham fans. There's a different people, they're not the same people going to away games now, um, even the disabled people. So I do wonder if other, I mean, I've been going to everyone, so I'm quite happy and I've been getting the train to most of them. But I do wonder if people have been put off going to away games, especially rather than home and home, they're in the comfort zone and they're not trying their way as much. But I don't think it's really helped during the COVID times when they postponed games the last minute. So if people have travelled a long way, it's now probably thinking, am I going to try risking travelling that far? Um, you know, even as this weekend, and I know it's the weather, but a game's got called off at four o'clock. Not in Forest fans travelled all the way to Bournemouth. So it's the organising, it's the finances, it's a lot of things that we have to consider to do it. So I do wonder if that affects people a lot more now than it did before, because it was a rare occasion a game got cancelled before COVID. I think that's a, um, again, Joe, you've hit the nail on the head there in terms of distances for a lot of fans to travel. I would say, from my experiences, there's a different away crowd at our games, both non disabled and disabled. And I think there is a little bit of hesitancy for some of the more regular away supporters to go to those more distant games. The, the, we've had a bigger take-up at the more local uh, matches that we've played. We're travelling, you could go easily by car and you really drive in less than 60 minutes. They seem to be the more popular games for the majority of our disabled supporters compared with the longer distance games, with, for whatever reason, whether that is not wanting to drive so far. Transport issues, we've had a lot of games that have been Sunday afternoons, uh, Monday nights, as our game against you is on Monday night in a couple of weeks. If it wasn't for the fact that you were going, I wouldn't be able to go. You're kindly helping me to get there because I can't really cope doing it on my own. But if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be able to get to, to that game. So thanks, Jeff. I think that does have an impact on the take-up for fans. And I think Ant's right as well. There is a, a different viewpoint of the away supporters at the moment and I don't think it's in any way malicious or in any way intentional but I just think sometimes non-stable supporters have an impact on the enjoyment levels that you can have at away games as well and I, I think maybe it's just sheer happiness that we're back at games and they're just totally in a zone and just unadulterated joy of being back at away matches and being with their friends and stuff, but they're not always fully aware of some of their behaviours, the knock-on effect that that can have for disabled supporters uh, uh, of their own team as well. I'm just building on the point both of you made about particularly kickoff times, the way fixtures have been rearranged off, like you say, Joe, quite short notice. But I think what I've now thinking as you were talking, I, I've stayed over in hotels after a game 
because the kickoff time would require me to either tra- travel into the early hours to get home, um, you know, and, and sleep in my own bed sort of thing. So I think it was Man United is, is, was midweek. Everton away was midweek. Wolves last two weeks ago was midweek. And a lot of those rearranged games through TV, COVID or another reason, is it is I just wonder if there's actually a, an ongoing issue actually that that some of those kickoff times are going to restrict some or reduce the number of people who have disabilities to travel because they simply cannot travel back in the early hours and through their condition or their disability they can't travel you know in terms of tiredness you know for the length of the day etc it might be it's it's quite exhausting and I, I just wonder if there's something that we not just use us three, but actually we collectively don't really understand that issue. And, and does that have a knock-on when the wider kickoff times are forever changing? I know for Everton fans, some of our disabled supporters, even for Goodison games that are midweek, they will not always attend because of they say it's a longer day. They're not getting back home till you know 11, 12 o'clock at night. That has a knock-on effect with a couple of them in terms of medications that they have to take carers being um coming coming in to them and things like that so if if it has a knock-on effect for home matches it's undoubtedly going to have a knock-on effect to the away matches and so i think yeah that's it's maybe an interesting thing to try to to do a longer study into maybe and to try to see if there's anything that we can hopefully Tracer do to even if it's just to explain to TV companies or the schedules the impact that these kinds of things can have on disabled fans in particular, but obviously it has the same kind of effect on non-disabled fans as well. Thanks, Anne and Amy. I think we need to wrap up now. Um, just one last point I wanted to point out that during January and February, Level Playing Fields conducted the most intensive away fan survey of disabled sports fans of its kind. The survey results will be made available to the public soon, so watch out for that. I would like to thank, again, Amy and Anthony for speaking today and Level Playing Field for letting us loose on their podcast. And we hope that all clubs, sports fans, enjoy the rest of the Level Playing Fields week of action. And thank you for listening. Thank you.